Tone Fair Tire is New England's largest independent name brand tire dealer with the guaranteed lowest price and the most free services for life. That's why nobody beats a Town Fair Tire deal. Nobody. B-Pod Studios. It's Boston's most listened to afternoon radio program. Vulgar and Mass. You need a little bit of fat in there for flavor. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5, the Sports Hub. Well, I'll tell you, and I've been kind of pushing against the Mac Jones is not fully bought in um, push from Felger, but when he made the comment, I want to say about a month ago, maybe it was the end of minicamp, that he and Joe Judge were going to teach each other. Um, that ruffled some feathers in Foxborough. They were not so happy about their second-year quarterback telling his position coach that, yeah, we're kind of on an even playing field here. So I genuinely think it's gotten better because one of the other comments he made last week was they've made adjustments with the offense and taken a lot of player input. That happened. They had some serious meetings after one of the worst practices any of the media had seen and some of the coaches and players have participated in two weeks ago today. And the offense has gotten better since, and I think it's because of that kind of back and forth. Callahan last night on BST with myself and Mike Holly talking about the ups and downs Mac Jones has had with his coaches and the buy-in with the offense so far this year confirming what just felt kind of clear to me that Mac Jones was letting his frustration seep out early they may have gotten to him which is now why he's so over the top in support of these guys when he's asked now so we've known about the issues with Mac Jones to this point uh here, here's another one you can add to the list. As Greg Bedard was just talking, he's joining us now from uh, Vegas. He's covering the team in the joint practices with the Raiders for Boston Sports Journal. Mike Reese tweeted the, this. It's like his emptying out the notebook after that preseason game last Friday. He writes, there was no Kendrick Bourne, which we all knew, and Trent Brown in the lineup. And when Belichick made reference to them being available for this week's practices in Vegas, the message couldn't have been any clearer to me. Practice better? and you earn your way on the field. Bourne was not ready to go last Tuesday. A referee yanked him from a drill for a safety equipment issue, and Belichick wasn't pleased. Then Bourne got himself tossed from practice for running across the field, joining a fight already in progress and throwing a punch. We already knew that. Here's what we didn't may not have realized. He said, and Trent Brown's urgency seemed inconsistent at times, particularly in the two-minute drill. In the words of former Belichick aide Michael Lombardi, you are either coaching it or allowing it to happen. The Patriots need both Bourne and Trent Brown, and now I'll be watching to see how they respond. So now, Greg, we have an issue with Trent Brown? Yes, you do. And apparently, um, from what I've heard, that he he was called out a bit in a team meeting for um, – for some of these actions and uh, you know, it's hard to tell with Trent because he's so big and he kind of does things at his own pace, but there's certainly been times in training camp that I've noted like, man, it sure takes him a while to like, even today they went out there for a drill and the rest of the offensive linemen are trotting out there. And then there's Trent Brown walking his way out there. And it's, you know, they, they let him do some of that stuff. So it's hard to tell how much, uh, you know, is is really a concern but um apparently there's a lot going on behind the scenes again with trent brown and this has to be a huge worry and it could be something that affects you know do you even risk trading isaiah win if you know trent brown is 
Look, let's call it. he quit on the Raiders and you, you never know what you're going to get out of him. There were, there were people who questioned how much he cared at the end of last year. And so, um, you know, I, look, I think there are a lot of issues like this on this offense and it's, and it's coming out on the field. I mean, you'd be an idiot not to say otherwise. This is amazing to me. This, the, this list of problems that they have. Like, so, so what it is, like again, and Greg, I know you're you know you're putting pieces together here too. But like, I look at it and say, what the hell's the genesis of this? Like, is this because you flipped them? You know, like so Brown signed a new contractor in the off season. Yeah. So like, I mean, let me just jump in, and I'm you know not as close to it as Greg, and you're so your guess is as good as mine. But I, I just as Greg sort of alluded to. Trent Brown, you always have to wonder, does he got one foot in what? They put in a weight clause for him, Maz, at 385 or whatever right, right, it was. It, it, yeah. It's like, you know, just don't be the good year blimp. Like, that's where they put the weight threshold. So when, when you have a weight clause and they start at 365, I mean, I think that tells you, like, where he is. And as Greg said, he, he, he ate himself out of uh, Oakland and almost ate himself out of here and was back and forth. And, you know. And so the like, Niners. I mean, or, or, yeah, or I mean, the Niners, maybe that's what I meant. Either way, he's always sort of been a questionable work ethic guy. So if things aren't looking good, he's sort of like the first candidate to jump ship. And you you better get a big lifeboat for the fella. Boy, I'll tell you what. Well, I think you look it, at it. Go ahead, go ahead Greg. I, I was just going to say, you know, and, and I don't trust me. People are probably listening and they're like, oh, my God. And I've even heard this. People say, like, I have an axe to grind against the coaches or whatever. Like, which is just ridiculous. I don't. I'm just telling you, I've covered this league for 20 years. I've watched the Patriots coaches probably before the previous five years. Like, I, I usually go on here. I write just about how awesome their coaches are and how much of a pleasure it is to watch them, you know, run practice and run their drills. And then you see, like, I when Ivan Fears coaches the running backs, they don't make mistakes. They almost always hit the right hole. They always, almost always pick up the right blitzer. Like it's good coaching and watching, watching Dante Scarnecchia work and things like that. Like I, I don't, I don't want to keep harping on the coaches. I'm telling you, but you know, it, it, Trent Brown, like it, he, he basically ate his way out of San Francisco. He didn't give a crap. He comes out here, Dante Scarnecchia. He loves Dante Scarnecchia. Gives him direction. He gives him discipline. Tells him exactly what he needs to do. He plays really well here. Goes makes bad. Goes to the Raiders. Then sort of you know injury problems, half quitting, whatever. And then he comes back out here and he, he plays for Carmbrasillo last year and he really enjoyed it, even though there were some issues with Trent at the end of last season, to the point where he, he re-upped his contract, thinking like, all right, this is going to be a good deal. And then, you know, are you telling me that Trent Brown is having issues? Like, you are you telling me the coaching doesn't have anything to do with it? That, you know, it's Matt, a part-time Matt Patricia and Billy Yates, who doesn't have a lot of experience? Like, are, are any of these coaches, I don't care what position you're talking about, are they telling these players new things that they need to know? Like, that's what you want as a player. You want to come into a meeting. Every day you want to learn something on how you can get better. How many of you guys, how many of these guys on staff do you think are doing that right now? I mean, uh, based on your commentary, none. None, right? I mean, it's no wonder why Mac. Jones I mean, Troy Brown, like I bet Troy Brown's doing a hell of a job. And I bet you the receivers are doing, I haven't had any issues with the receivers, you know, as far as how they're doing. Yeah, Kendrick Bourne's having a bit of an issue, but I think that's, as 
something to do with, you know, maybe the higher ups on offense, not Troy. Like I think Troy's doing a great job. I bet you Troy brings stuff every day that is making those guys better. But I can't say that a lot about those other coaches, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Vinny Sanceri from Alabama, he's taking Ivan Fears' spot at running backs coach. I mean, come on, give me a break. So they're going to go potentially from an offensive line with Trent Brown at left tackle and Isaiah Wynn at right to, and I'm, you know, this is extreme. Michael and Wendu and Yodney Kajust. That's what the, that's what potentially we're looking at. Or Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn with their heads up their ass. Holy crap! I mean, how many how many more how many more things can they pile on here? I don't know, Greg. What else you got? Yeah, seriously. What 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 else? <laughs> is the punter pissed too? Like what? I'm working. I just got to Vegas, so you know they might be able to learn some things in uh, okay in some CD places tonight. Next Holy couple of days. I don't know. Crap. I mean, the, seriously, the amount of material Bedard is just unloaded in the last hour. Uh, none of it good, hardly. Other than Juwan Bentley looks better. And Ty Montgomery. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Ty Montgomery. The rest of it, wow. Seriously. All right. Well, well, I like Bedard in Vegas. Well, why don't we take a break from it and do a 10 questions uh, with Bedard. We'll do it right after these words. Now, she doesn't know what I have in this McDonald's bag, but I feel like she can see right through me. Inside here, I've got a toasty sausage egg and cheese McGriddles and a melty sausage McMuffin with egg. Mix and match two warm, savory sandwiches for just $4.50. So, to share or not to share? On one hand, I swoop two for a legit deal. On the other hand, I'm hungry and I... Oh, what? Huh? What's that, babe? Oh, yeah, no, of course. One of these is for you. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. This is a purely a take that exists in my head. Getting into your head. We tell you what's in our head. With hot sports takes. And we share it with you. Felger and Mass, 98.5, the Sports Hub. You want the answer? You've got to ask the question. Do you have an opinion based on if you had to go with your gut, what, which way it would go? Uh, Sometimes you have to ask it over and over and over again. Why, 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 why? This is 10 Questions with Greg Bedard and Felger and Mass on 98.5, the Sports Hub. Let's take a break from Greg's really scary, concerning Patriots commentary from today out in Vegas and go 10 questions around the league. A little bit of Patriots, uh, you know, slant here as well. 10 questions, 10 minutes. We have to be on time. Jimmy, what do we have for buzzer options? Jack wagons. Thank you, Trenny. Next. That's what Mac Jones sounds like, trying to elude the rush behind this horrible offensive line. Next. Maddie, he's done a great job. He's one of the most brilliant people I've ever been around in terms of football knowledge. Yeah. Not to overstate it or anything. Next. I'm going to plead the fifth on that. I don't want to offend anybody. No, you wouldn't want to do that, Bill. <laughs> those those are questions for somebody that has a lot more, I would say, is more in that arena than I am. Sorry. No problem. Next. Yeah, it's normal. It's fine. Yeah, it's normal. It's fine. <laughs> Care to translate, Greg? No. It's normal. <laughs> it was normal. It was fine is what he said. I'm sorry, Jimmy. Go ahead. <laughs> You know, coming to the OB, baby. <laughs> What's that from? You don't come that into the OB. That was Lamar, Lamar Thomas. Thomas. Oh. You do you. All, I'm here to do you. So you pound <laughs> me with, with old fashions and etouffee and oh boy. This is my weekend in New Orleans. Go. It's fun coming up the rear, Murray. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it just is. It, it's fun coming from way behind. 
I've always said that. Next. That got nothing to do with sports. I got five questions. Okay, I'd say that is enough. Hit it. That got nothing to do with sports. I got five questions. Or ten. Number ten, Greg. Does Tom Brady deserve criticism for skipping out on the Bucks as he did last week? Hell yes. I mean, it's absurd. Missed two weeks of training camp? Like, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and for what? So we go on water slides at the Atlantis with his kids? We... Is that what the deal was? Like, talk about a tool bag. Skipping out to the Bahamas? You're already in camp in Tampa. What the hell did you have to do that for? If it's not anything health-related and he's there and it's because of his yappy wife, that's right. It, yes, it, it, he, of course, deserves criticism for this. What a tool. Yeah, what a fraud, really. Next. You do you. All, I'm here to do you. So you pound me with, with old fashions and etouffee and, oh, boy. Number nine, in hindsight, where should Brady have ended up after leaving New England? What would have been best for us, him, the NFL? What are the three best spots for him? For us, the Dolphins. For him and the NFL, I think the 49ers. Him going back home, hometown, it's the 49ers. That team was good. They probably would have won a Super Bowl. I think it would have been good for the NFL. I mean, Greg's right, but I love the idea of, of Brady in Vegas. I just love it. Brady and Gronk do Vegas. Like, tell me that wouldn't have been a poop storm waiting to happen. I still think the Niners goes home to the boyhood team. You know, you get that narrative, the aesthetic of the jersey, stacked team. They probably would have won, like Greg said. And they still would have got to curb stomp Bill and the Pats in 2020 because they came here. So I think the Niners. Number eight, hit it. Jack Wagons. Bill Belichick yesterday called the Raiders facility magnificent. Today he called it the Taj Mahal. Uh, The best he's ever seen in football. The best facility he's ever seen in football. Greg, rank the top three that you've ever been a part of. And subsequently, what were also some of the worst? So, I mean, any of the new ones are going to be really good. I mean, this one is spectacular. It really is. I mean, Bill's not lying. And, you know, I I think the 49ers, the new one they built, uh, I spent about a week out there and was really impressed with their facility. And uh, I don't know. I like the one in Philly. For some reason, I think the, the the fields are really close. They have a good indoor facility, nice building. Like I, I like the way Philly was set up when they had a joint practice last year. Uh, some of the ones that are the worst, no surprise, the Bengals. It's a lot like Gillette, uh, just not revamped in that it's, <laughs> first of all, when you drive in, you're also sharing parking spaces with like an MRI that works out of the stadium because they're trying to make money off the, the team's medical uh, uh, equipment. So there's an MRI that people come into, and then they have to walk across the street to get to the practice fields, and it's not a short walk uh, either. So the, uh, the Bengals is terrible. I really like Lambeau, except for the walk across the street. I mean, it's far to get to the practice facility in the fields. Uh, it's cute in training camp with the kids and their bikes and stuff like that, but in the wintertime, it blows. And uh, Gillette, Gillette's not good. I, I credit the, the crafts well, for trying it, it, to make it, it as good as it can. You know what? Stop. Just hit it, Jimmy. Jack Wagons. Okay, where does Gillette rank roughly and what makes it so good or bad? That was number seven. It's it's definitely the bottom third. I mean, the Crafts have done a good job of making, expanding it. Seems like every other year, every three years of expanding the weight room and the locker rooms and meeting rooms and all this stuff. But 
still, at the end of the day, it's part of the stadium. There's only so much room there. Uh, the, the walk to the practice field in the bubble is just absurd that you have to go from one end to the stadium. So this is what Belichick was talking about, how convenient it thank, is. And you just walk you. outside. And like at Gillette, you have to walk from one end of the stadium all the way to the other. Then you have to go upstairs. If you like two huge flights of stairs, if you're the players and that's to get to the upper fields. And then the bubble is even further down there like it's just the setup just is not good but they they try can i can i just say you said that you've ever been a part of yeah yeah okay number one all time i'm the biggest dumps in schaefer stadium schaefer well, stadium is the biggest dump ever you go down to bryant worse remember when they I did, did tra- you, when yes. they, you know the little yes. dorms they were staying yes. in oh my yes. goodness uh but of course that's one of them did you ever thought murray uh, well, having been in uh, Atlanta, that flowery branch that they still have to travel to, also a dump. It's it's reminiscent of of uh, of Bryant College when they did that. Okay, number six, hit it. Oh, I like I'm that. I'm going to plead the fifth on that. I don't want to offend anybody. Okay, has Hard Knocks changed your opinion of the Lions? Do any of you find yourself actually rooting for them now? I have not seen the the second episode, um, but. Yeah, I, a little bit. I mean, I don't like some of the stuff the coaches like the Deuce Daly and and uh, Aaron, Aaron, what's his Glenn. name? You know, Aaron Glenn like yapping at each other. Like, dude, you're trying to coach players. Like, settle down. It's like the first week of camp, and those guys are all over each other's cases. I think they 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 stand the chance to burn out way too quickly there. And but I do find myself rooting for them. I think Campbell. He's he's a lovable tool bag in that he actually believes what he's saying. It's not an act. I Mark, haven't seen it. So Murray asked for this question, so you must have a thought. Yeah, I, I, maybe it's the editing and the production of the team, and I'm getting sucked into Dan Campbell because he does care. But I kind of love him. I'm this close to buying a grit hat. Like, through two episodes, I'm like, eh, this team's kind of fun. Okay, next. Matty, he's done a great job. He's one of the most brilliant people I've ever been around in terms of football knowledge. Okay, rank a tool bag question because it's the Raiders, which I've been on record as saying, and I will repeat, I think is one of the great trash organizations in all of sports. I think when it was commitment to excellence and the, you know, Al Davis, I thought they were the biggest frauds going. I think they are a garbage organization, always have been, probably always will be. So we don't get one Raider tool bag, we get three. Name the top three Raiders tool bags of all time in order, please. Thank you. Lane Kiffin for whatever that tenure was as head coach and just the whole thing. Uh, Bill Romanowski, the BC guy. I, I just Good couldn't stand one. him. Royd guy. Like, I just could never stand him. And then Todd Marinovich, the lefty quarterback. Dad wouldn't let him eat a Big Mac. Like, you know, he was designed to be this the greatest quarterback ever and completely flamed out on weed and other things when he got here. Okay, number one, Jack Tatum wrote the book Call Me Assassin. Should have been just Call Me Ass is what it should have been. Lyle Alzado, Matt Millen, tool, tool, tool. The three of them, biggest freaking tool bags in that organization, and that's saying something. Daryl Stingley, Jamarcus Russell, Bill Romanowski. Daryl Stingley. Uh, I mean, uh, Jack Tatum. Thank you. Tatum, sorry. I got Thank you. Right. Okay, so Jack Tatum writes the book, They Call Me the Assassin, yeah. after he paralyzes Daryl Stingley. Number one, with a bullet, never apologized to him, never went to go see him until 
he was hired to do some sort of documentary or something. He was paid, and then he finally went and knocked on Tatum's door on uh, Daryl Stingley's door. Well, after the fact, too. complete garbage, garbage individual for a garbage organization. Jack Tatum is one. Romo is two. Racist, probably on top of it all. First class tool bag. Then he spit on uh, Jay- Cord- Cordell Stewart. I no, think. no, oh, was it J.J. Soaks? J.J. Soaks, a receiver from UCLA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, spat, spat on him. And then three, take your pick. Matt Millen, Lyle Alzado, uh, Hendricks, the Ted, the, Hendricks. The Ted Hendricks, the Stork, you name it. Like the Villapiano, like there's just tool bag after tool bag. Al Davis. Al Davis, you know, like, uh, I mean, so. Uh, like that great Raiders run was just, a, I was a little too young to fully appreciate it. What I knew the Raiders from was just the old man suing the league. That's all I knew the Raiders from. This wacky old dude with all these conspiracy theories constantly in court. You know, garbage trash organization. Next. <laughs> those those are questions for somebody that has a lot more, I would say, is more in that arena than I am. Sorry. Okay, number three is another question from Murray. He says, uh, who is someone in the NFL that time has been good to? In other words, this coach or player or broadcaster actually had a good career. Did we miss one? Yeah, you missed one. Oh, I'm sorry. Number four, who's the coolest Raider of all time? Howie Long. I just thought he he looked cool, good-looking guy, local guy, and he just seemed to carry himself with class as opposed to many of the other people around him. Mike Haynes. Mike Haynes. He was as cool as a cucumber, man. I loved him. Short-lived, but Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Next. Yeah, Snorlow was fine. Yeah, Snorlow okay. was fine. <laughs> okay, number three. Who Name a player coach broadcast who actually had a good career, but because of some bumpy spots, the narrative has unfairly uh, painted him as one thing versus the other. I didn't fully get the question, Murray, but let's just do your best. Go ahead, uh, Greg. I, I completely blanked on it. I cannot. I, I can't think of anybody. Well, so, Murray, you question. go. So, Murray, yeah, go ahead. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, because mostly because of last year and the injury, but over those last couple of seasons, people think that like he's going to struggle with Denver now, and it feels to me that the narrative has flipped on Russell Wilson that he's some kind of bum in the league, which he's totally not. I, I I'm with them. I think he has a chance to not be good. That he he took too much of a beating, and now he's he's reaching Denver on the downturn of his career, and he's not going to be as good as he was before. So I was confused on the question. I thought it was someone who was unfairly maligned in league history. I was going to say Al Davis. Like, I think Al Davis was a revolutionary in NFL history. As much of a dink as he was, I think all the owners now want to pull the same crap that he pulled, moving franchises, all that stuff. Al Davis was a huge figure in, in football history. Overrated. I think he was a freaking kook. Voices <laughs> in was. his yeah, voices in his head, conspiracy theories, the world's out to get me. It was a personal war with Roselle. He buried his team, trash, garbage, overrated. I loved him. Uh, but what's this? What? There's a narrative out there now that Russell Wilson stinks? Since when? These last, I'm telling you, like, talk to Gasper about this because him and I are in line with this. That, that Russell Wilson is not going to be the same guy because he's like dipped in these last couple of seasons. He's going to go to Denver and kind of suck. Oh, he's the man. I take him any day of the week. Next, you do you. All, I'm here to do you. So you pound me with, with old fashions and etouffee and oh boy. Number two. <laughs> Rank the best Bill Belichick assistants from his Patriots tenure. You know, a lot of Josh McDaniels talk today. Name the top three Belichick assistants during his time here in New England. 
Josh McDaniels, Dante Skarnecki, and Ivan Fears. Three guys who, if you they walked in the building tomorrow, could fix this crap show and actually make them a real offense. McDaniels, Skarnecki, Flores. I loved Brian Flores. I thought he was good. Flores, McDaniels, Skarnecki. Okay. McDaniels, Skarnecki, Romeo Cornell. As a D coordinator. He was a great D coordinator for that team. Last one. It's fun coming up the rear, Murray. It, it, <laughs> it, it just is. It, it's fun coming from way behind. Number one, what's the worst thing about Las Vegas? I'm talking about the city. The plane ride. Oh my god! I just did it last night. My plane was like four hours late. I didn't land. I didn't get to my hotel until like two thirty. It's so fun. That's a long ass plane ride. The cheese ball. The cheese ball factor. The complete like fake bombs, big jewelry. You know, slick back hair, bad suits, slippery people. The whole thing. Cheese whiz. It is freaking cheese city. Cass nailed it. The plastic cheesiness of it all. It's the worst of America. It's the worst Americans. It's gross. A- after 30, there's no need to go there. Unless you're being forced to go there for a conference or work. I hate Vegas. Okay. The worst part out is also flight related. And I don't know if this has changed. It's been a little bit since I've been there. You can't get a proper flight home to save your life. And it's intentional. They want to trap you there. When I, I my, In my memory, I could never get a morning nonstop on the mm-hmm. Sunday morning or Monday morning out of Vegas. And I think those a-holes do it on purpose. You can't get a good flight out until a night, a red eye, a good nonstop until the end of the day. Because they want to trap you there in town to get you back on the tables or whatever in whatever pit you've been in. And they don't want you to leave. So they don't give you a good, proper morning nonstop out of Vegas. If that's changed, that's changed. But in my experience, that was the le- the worst part for me is I couldn't effing leave the place. Can I get out of here already? I don't want to fly through Salt Lake. I, I, I want to nonstop out of here. Can I please leave? Yeah, Felga, it's like the Hotel California. <laughs> All right, thus concludes 10 questions. Uh, back to your calls with Bedard right after the update. That got nothing to do with sports. I got five questions. When two officers died of COVID, Joe Lombardo refused their widow's line of service death benefits. If Joe won't stand with fallen officers and their families, who will he stand with? Paid for by New Day Nevada Pack. Provides. The most popular afternoon radio show in Boston. I don't want to know what this means. Felger and Maz. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Like, what? I, I don't the, know what that is. 985, the Sports Hub. All right, as promised, back to the phones with Greg Bedard out in Vegas with the Pats. Mike and Marlboro. Go ahead, Mike. Michael! Yes, hello. You're on. Go ahead, please. My question is for Greg Bedard. Um, I'm just curious uh, if if all you do is uh, cover and uh, take care of uh, the Patriots, how do you not know the offensive lineman coach and the other coaches that have left to go to Vegas, and you have to Google it? That's you waited on hold to ask me that because I just concentrate on the Patriots. What do I care about who people aren't here anymore now? I mean, why would I care? Glad to see you're doing things. Some productive yeah, he's things. Just, in the he's afternoon. just crushing your credentials because we were straightening out what Priscillo, uh, Hardegree, and Lombardi coach. 
Boy, Patriots, uh, again, the Patriots bobos are getting very, very defensive, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, it's but all God, attack, what do you uh, know? Attack the messenger. Yep, attack the messenger. That's what they That's what they go to. This is what yeah, we do. Yeah, you said they're going to suck, Bedard. I heard you. Tommy and Lynn, go Tommy. What's up, boys? This is what i got to say about the Patriots. I want to know if they're going to clean up the mess a little bit with the offense before the season starts because they got like a couple weeks to clean up this little mess that they're going through. Right, Bedard? Can- Yep, you're right, Tommy. Tommy, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, they well, have I mean, to they have to clean it up. But do we think that they can do it with the the coaches that are on staff right now? I have my doubts. I would feel really better if they brought somebody else in from the outside. I hope Dante Scarnecchia stays retired because he's earned it. But uh, he's close, and he would be my first choice for sure. Okay, is it also possible? And this I've been asking this now for two weeks. Is it possible they scrap the new things they're trying to install and just go, you know, shotgun spread in the Patriots offense that they've had for years? Yes. there's, uh, Yeah, I mean, that should be on the table. I mean, when you watch them, whether it's in practice or the games, the things that they do well and have the most confidence in are their sort of, you know, tried and true what they've done for years. And when it comes to the, the, the blockers on the interior, you know, sort of gap, you know, Double team at the point of attack, then get to the linebacker on the second level. They block it better. The running backs are more comfortable with it. There's a rhythm there. Now, I mean, even there might be some holes that these guys are opening up that just the running backs, they're not used to the techniques and the timing and what should I look for. And and not that it's all that unusual of what they've done in the past. They've always run some elements of almost every different running scheme with the Patriots, but the volume and how they're trying to cram it down people's throats. I, I do think it's dissipated, but at some point here, I think I think they're going to junk it and go back to what works. So I think so too. I mean, to me, the rubber meets the road when Bill starts losing games. I've said this for This is what made me think about it in the first place. When they got into the second or third week and it still wasn't happening, I said, the Belichick I know doesn't stick with something that's losing them games. Whether it's well, whatever, mm-hmm. a million different examples. Man versus zone. This guy playing inside versus outside. Like if if something's losing him games, he generally bails out of it and tries to figure it out, and often does. And I've just never seen him just go down with the ship with a failing thing. And I know there are exceptions. I know he kept Malcolm Butler on the bench in the Super Bowl. Like I know, I know, I know. I'm talking about in general, generally speaking, over the course of a season. He doesn't just sit there and let something fester to lose him games week after week after week. He tries to change it, which is why I would be surprised if he came out here, Greg, with this new offense and it was costing him games and he just he just stuck with it all season. That would surprise me. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, you know, almost entirely when I've coached the team or when I've when I've covered the team, I look at Belichick's coaching and I'm like, he's going to figure it out. Just like last year after Dallas, we, we got on after Dallas and I was like, Bill has to take over the defense. Like this has just gone on long enough. They gave up like the most passing yards ever for a Belichick offense. And what happened? He got more involved and things tightened up and they went on, you know, a pretty good winning streak. And so I think that's going to happen now, but how many, how many places can he do that for? Does he, does Cam Acord need help on special teams? What about Steven Gerard or excuse me, defensive coordinator Steve Belichick? Does he need help on defense or can he do it on his own suddenly in year four? What about the offense like playing, calling plays and game planning? But what about also the offensive line? How many places can he coach this team up? 
Okay, Maz has got a question for you. Uh, Greg, we'll get some final thoughts from you and what you saw today. And again, it, most of it not good, folks, out in Vegas today with the Patriots and the Raiders. Our long commercial-free segment comes your way next. When two active-duty Metro police officers died of COVID-19, Joe Lombardo disrespected them and their widows by refusing them line-of-service death benefits. Joe didn't even bother to turn up to their funerals. If Joe Lombardo won't stand with fallen officers and their families, who will he stand with? Paid for by New Day Nevada Pack. And of course he looks good. And Mass. Because Mac Jones is out there with some tight shirt and looks hot. I never said he looked hot. Felger and Mass. He's got like that tapered torso thing. 98.5, the sports up. Okay, a couple final thoughts, questions for Bedard before he gets out of here. Maz, what do you got for him? Okay. okay, so Greg, if they scrap the offense... Right, you and Mike were talking in the last segment about scrapping this new offense and going back to you know the old way of doing things. How much? How much does the lost practice time hurt them? You follow me? In other words, if they've been investing all this time trying to implement a new offense and it doesn't work, how far are they set back? I don't think a ton. I think um, you know. Look, you're just trying to execute plays, and I think that getting back to basics and going back to what you know, especially most of the guys up front, other than Cole Strange, really look at the whole offense, and it's just Cole Strange and Devontae Parker are really the only new guys on the offense. So the other guys, it's just going back to what they know. It's a comfort zone. I I, I think that's the quickest way for them to get better. I don't think they've they've wasted a ton of time on this stuff. It's not anytime they have wasted, you know, whatever, maybe you use this at some point, but I don't think it would be, it wouldn't kill the season if they went in one direction and then they went back. But again, we talked about this at the beginning when, you know, I told you in the past, Bill has wanted to do more of this stuff where guys like, you know, Dante Skarnecchia, Ivan Fears, and Josh McDaniels pushed against it, basically being like, we don't have the personnel. We don't have the time to waste, and look what's happening now. They're wasting time. Uh, Tom is in Quincy. He's got a thought for Greg Bedard. Go ahead, Tom. Hey, what's going on, guys? Tommy. Hey, Greg, I got a question. Uh, I heard you talking to Mike the other night on TV. This whole Kendrick Bourne situation seems like it's just blown up overnight where he was the best receiver on the team they had last year. So they decided mm-hmm. they're going in this new direction with a new offense. <clears throat> He's the most explosive player that they have on offense. And didn't he play in the same system in San Francisco? And if that was the case, yep. wouldn't you keep the one friggin' guy that has played in that offense before around so the quarterback has someone to actually utilize in that offense? Or is that, am I just being obtuse? What's up with yeah, I mean, Greg? Where do we stand? Yeah, in general, on Tommy's question, I mean, they're not going full bore into the Shanahan system. They're basically putting in like an early down. Hey, this is what we want to do on first and second down so that we're doing, we're doing stretch action. It gives us a better chance to get off to the right foot. And, and you know, there are reasons to run it, what have you. Um, but what's interesting is even before kind of the crap hit the fan with Bourne in the last week, you know, Tommy's exactly right that he's the one with experience in the system. He's been able, to, he's been asked to do different things, whether it's carry the ball or run the ball or catch the ball, what have you. And, 
they haven't done much of that stuff with him, even before he sort of got benched in the last week. So it's just like, do, they, do these guys know how to utilize these guys, you know, properly? Or, you know, maybe Bourne, and from what I heard, you know, he, he wasn't thrilled about the offensive direction for a while, and maybe the coaches knew that and sort of curtailed his involvement in the offense. But uh, it was good to see him out there today. Huge touchdown to sort of end the day for the first-team offense. That can't be understated. You know, maybe he's back in the good graces after today, and he slowly gets back into it because there's no question that they are a much better offensive football team if Kendrick Bourne is part of it. He's the only guy who does what he does in terms of he can do everything. He can carry the ball. He can run every route. He's he's quicker than anybody else. After the catcher's better than anybody else. So they need him to be a better offense, but we just have to see whether he gets with the program. Sean in Salem, what do you got for Greg Bedard? Uh, well, yeah, Fogel, you were saying that you don't think Bill would continue to do something that would cause, you know, to lose games. But last year, he scrapped that whole thing with score at the end of the first half, then at the end of the second half. After that 6-6 against the Saints earlier in the year, they basically just stopped trying to score. And we know that the game plan, again, is going to be conservative, and this team can't play from behind. So, I mean, it was like he did it all again last year. So I, I, I don't know why you think he wouldn't continue to do something that you don't think is the right thing to do just because they're losing. I think he didn't do that last year because he was going training wheels with Mac Jones. A very simple reason why he stopped doing that last year. He didn't fully trust the rookie quarterback. And you like to think in year two he's going to have more trust in him. But if his line can't block, they're turning the ball over, or Mac Jones is getting pulverized, they're not going to go for the double score, and it's going to be more of the same. I don't know what you're talking about. That doesn't apply to what we were referencing. I mean, that's a game management thing you're talking about. Like That, that one to me is more about who's playing quarterback and where he is developmentally. Here's something quickly we haven't hit on yet that I wanted to today. Wayne and Yarmouth, go. Well, rightfully so. We talk a lot. Of, we've been talking a lot about coaching and offense. But uh, I was wondering, you know, how, what are, what's the general uh, understanding or thinking behind the secondary of this team? I mean, I'd like to know a little bit more about where that's coming from and and how we see it progressing. Okay, how'd the secondary look today? I don't know, Vin, if you want to throw up some of those tweets. Uh, sounded like the Patriots secondary today got abused, Greg. Yeah, they got until the last period they got carved up by the Raiders and look with you know Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels calling the plays and Devontae Parker uh, Devontae Adams and and Hunter Renfro uh, they didn't have Waller today but they, they could not stop Devontae Adams at all and I think there was one pass up, pass breakup on the last two minute drill that was about the only time that Carr went to Adams when the Patriots offered any resistance whatsoever I've never he he was open all day long. Um, I, I, I don't, again, I think they have decent pieces, even though you do worry about, all right, now the Jonathan Jones is going to be on outside after being, what, four or five years on the inside. Suddenly now the Patriots are like, okay, he, he can play boundary corner. That tells me they don't have a lot of confidence in the other pieces that they had there. Uh, I like their pieces, you know, a little bit. Sean Wade did not practice today. He's been coming on in the games. Um, you know, I like the young kids. Jack Jones got his hand uh, on some balls again today. Marcus Jones shows up 
um, regularly in practice and in the games. So I think the pieces are there, but to me, it's all in the pass rush. If they get a really good pass rush, if Uche takes another step and Jennings, if Judon plays a whole season, if Barmore becomes a beast, uh, again, like, you know, he looks like he's going to, then they don't need to cover for that long. And I think that's the whole key to this defense. It's not the, the personnel at cornerback. It's how long they have to cover. I like Jones better on the outside. I like that better. I, I You know, again, if you're talking about uh, Jalen Mills out there, I'd rather have Jones with him than any of the other guys they've talked about. And I know Butler and Jawan Williams are now out. But Terrence Mitchell, I don't want out there. Wade, to me, I don't love. Like, I, I would rather have I'd rather have Jonathan Jones on the outside and play one of the kids in the middle. Okay, Greg, final word. You went out there the other night uh, saying that this is a really important week for the Patriots. They have to start stringing good practices together, start building momentum, getting some positive momentum going into the regular season. That had to start this week. And if I can sum up your earlier commentary from what we got today, you would say that uh, they failed in doing so, correct? Uh, they failed spectacularly. Um, doing that and actually went in another direction, went backwards instead of forwards. Um, you know, basically, if I'm the Patriots at this point, I'm getting through tomorrow's practice. I I doubt that the starters play much in the game. We, we shall see. Maybe they get like a series or something like that. But I'm basically, as soon as this week's over, as soon as we we get back from Vegas, Belichick needs to sit down with Patricia and Judge and whoever else and say, all right, what do we think we can do well? And then we need to start repping that and doing that for Miami. And I would not be surprised if we see them come out against the Dolphins with a much simpler playbook, bare bones, back to basics. This is where we're starting from because I think that's the only path forward for them at this point. If they keep trying to go in this direction and fit in a square peg into a, a round hole, um, you know, 0-4 start is on is on the platter. For them, and I don't think that they can afford that at all. And so they need. I, I, I'm confident that they will. They will figure out what direction they need to go, and it'll be simple, and they'll be able to execute uh, at a decent level against the Dolphins. They have to go that way. If they don't change things up, Owen Four is on the platter. <laughs> so Greg's been on the show now for I, I don't know uh, six years, seven Some, years, something like that. Okay. I, he has never ripped the team like he's ripped them today. Oh no, this has been this has been particularly negative. Not this not is, even close. I've never. And, and people will come out and they'll say, "Oh, well, it's Greg this axe to grind bullcrap." I mean, no, I am Mister, especially early on in the season. You know, last year I was saying, "Oh, the first four games really don't matter," and they didn't matter. But um, I'm sorry, they're not that team anymore. This is not the same Patriots team. This is not 2006 anymore for the Patriots. And I don't need, I don't know what people need to see to wake up and understand where they are and how different this is, but they need to wake up. I love that, that, that vision of, of Belichick sitting with Patricia and Judge saying, what is it that we do well? And them saying, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, thanks for joining us. For oh, the, it's uh, like, the, it's like, I just want to say it's like that scene in Apollo 13 when uh, you know the 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 rocket blows and the spaceship blows up and he's like, "All right, what works on the spaceship? What do we have to work with?" And that's basically what the Patri- that's where the Patriots are. It's Apollo 13 for offense. Have oh, fun with that. Boy. Okay, we look forward to reading the coverage on Boston Sports Journal. Have a good time out there in Vegas, big fella. All right, see you guys. See you. Okay, we will we will replay and relive some of Greg's commentary and highlights later on in the My last God, hour. My God, does he have an axe to grind? <laughs> What's the axe to grind, Jimmy? 
I just said that as a joke because he was He's going kidding. after Twitter yeah, people no, but, and just hung up his Zoom call. I'm sorry. Right, so when fans say that he has an, an axe to grind against who? I have no idea. Look, these are Patriot Bobos. You say anything negative, they get their underwear in a ball. For crying out loud, it happens all the time. Yeah, what happens in Vegas is supposed to stay there. Shut your mouth, God. <laughs> okay. He, he, his commentary today was particularly glaring, which we will get to later on in the hour. I do want to spend just a couple minutes on the breaking news today across the NBA that Kevin Durant is going nowhere. All right, I want to spend just a few minutes on that. If you were just joining us, that happened today. The, the details come your way right here in Big Jim Murray's update, and then we're back. No commercial. When two active-duty Metro police officers died of COVID-19, Joe Lombardo disrespected them and their widows by refusing them line-of-service death benefits. Joe didn't even bother to turn up to their funerals. If Joe Lombardo won't stand with fallen officers and their families, who will he stand with? Paid for by New Day Nevada PAC.